Stand. There. 
stand there my home shall be it could be today that we'd be in heaven wouldn't that be an awesome thing I'm glad I'm going to heaven of course Beulah Land if you're not familiar with that phrase that thinking goes back a long time to thinking about Beulah Land being the, the precious promised land that God has for us it's a picture of heaven and I'm looking forward to heaven you know I've, I've sang that song many a time and I remember Faye Carlton That was her favorite song. She's in heaven right now. And I uh, praise the Lord that she's seeing that beautiful, beautiful land. If you knew Faye, um, you knew Faye. She had an impact on your life. Godly Christian, um, godly lady. Uh, she loved the Lord and she loved people and it was evident in her life. And I'm so thankful uh, that she's in heaven today and I'm looking forward to seeing her again. I look around and I see some folks that are in heaven that were with us even this past year, but now are in heaven. I'm looking forward to that day. I praise the Lord for the promise that we'll be able to see them once again. And I'm thankful for a new year. I'm thankful for the year that God has given to us. And, um, and yet I know this, that no matter what happens in this life, we have heaven to look forward to. And I'm so thankful for that. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior today, you're on your way to heaven. And um, it's not going to be long, folks. The reality is that this world is very temporal. Time goes by so fast, goes by so quickly, and it's going to be just a matter of, of a very quick moment of time, and we're going to be in heaven if you've trusted in Christ your Savior. And I praise the Lord for that promise. Take your Bible this morning, if you would. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Once again, I think you're already there. We've already read it. But I want us to look here. We'll be looking at these two verses, mainly focusing on them this morning. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How did you do this past year? What was done for Christ? What will last for all eternity? What investment have you made? Can't go back and change it. You can't go back and redo it. The time is gone. The moments are spent. We've only got one life. What does God want to do in your life this year? Does God want more than last year? Can we let God do more than last year in our life? This morning, I, I want to, it's a very simple message, but I want to challenge you with the thought of making God first in 2022. Putting God first in your life. I don't I don't think it matters who you are. Every one of us can look back at last year, and there's things in our life from last year that we wish were different or better. 
We can look at this year as an opportunity. You can't change last year, but you certainly can change what you're going to do this year. You can make a decision of what you're going to do with the moment in time that God has given to you. For such a time as this, the world we're living in right now and all the craziness, it's not by accident that you're here right now at this time. God wants to work in your life. God has a job for us to do. We can't fix last year. We certainly can let God be first in our life this year. And it's a matter of a choice. You can't go back and fix last year, but you can make a decision each and every day and moment this year of what you're going to do with your life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for God will last. I've heard that saying all my life. I've heard it many, many times, and it's so true. And yet you look at the sum of your life and how much time you have and what you've done for the Lord and what's going to last for eternity. We need to really get focused, folks, because time is short. I believe that. Time is short because the Lord could come back at any moment. And I also believe that time is short because the Bible says, Boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. There's no guarantee that all of us that are here, seated in this place right here, will be here in 2023 at the same time next year. What if this was our last year? And you know, I'm not trying to be morbid about this. I'm really just trying to be surreal and, and to be honest about the fact that we're no, there's no guarantees. And how much time we have. I want to use it to the fullest. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have a life of regrets. God doesn't want us to live that way. The truth is we don't have to live that way. And yes, there might be some things we regret from last year, but I'm talking about as a whole in your life. Who is first in your life? What are you living for? I remember hearing from my dad many years ago. He shared this illustration with me. He was a young man, and, and at the age, I think he was about 16 years old. And in that day and age, when you were about 16 years old, it was past time you'd already gotten a job. I mean, it'd be paper out. I'm not talking about child labor laws here or enslavement. I'm talking about just getting a job. Well, my dad was having too much fun as a teenager and didn't want to get a job. And my grandpa, well, he was a pretty strong individual. He kept telling my, my dad, son, you need to go out and get a job. And so he told him, son, you're going to go out this week. I want you to go out every day. I want you to try to get a job. I want you to go out and find out who will hire you. He went out and he supposedly went out. Well, he put a half-hearted effort into it. And my grandpa knew better. And at the end of the week, he got home and my grandpa did this. He went to my dad and he said, my name is Bill Blount. That's my dad's name, by the way. My name is Bill Blount and I'm going to live forever. My name is Bill Blount and I'm going to live forever. And he marched back and forth. My name is Bill Blount and I'm going to live forever. You say, well, that's mean. No, he was trying to get him to wake up to understand that life is not going to last forever. Even at 16 years old, he had the idea, you know, young people, they feel like that. I'm going to live forever. You know, it's not just young people, though. We need to be so careful that we don't get into the mentality of I've got tomorrow, I've got next year, I've got 10 years from now. No, listen, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for God will last. We need to work for the night is coming. And for some, you think the night is here right now. Yeah, we live in a difficult time. But we're here on purpose, with a purpose. God has a work for us to do. And we're never going to achieve that work if we don't put God first in our life. We're never going to be able to do all that God wants us to do if we don't put God first in our life. We have to make a decision to put Him first. It's not going to happen by accident. And so this morning, before we get into the, the, the depth of this message, I want to just stop for just a moment. I want to invite you, as I open in a word of prayer, I would invite you to, for you to pray right there in your, your seat. Would you ask God to speak to your heart? Would you say, Lord, I want you to be first in my life? 
Lord, I want you to be number one this year. Lord, I, I, I know my time that you've given to me is so valuable and precious. Lord, I want you to be first in my life this year. Would you pray that prayer? Would you would join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to know you, to serve you. Lord, to have the life that we have, you've given it to us. Lord, I pray that we put you first this year. Lord, that we might know you. We would know you so well, Lord, that we'd be directed by you, filled by you, empowered by you. Lord, that we would know your will. Lord, that we'd be willing to do whatever you tell us to do. Lord, that you'd be first in this church. That the focus this year would be you. Our whole heart and our desire, the heartbeat of the church would be, Lord, for you and for your glory. Lord, challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You see, we look at life oftentimes and we compartmentalize it. We think that we have life over here that is the life that we're kind of going through and everything outside of church or spiritual things. And then we have the things over here where we have the spiritual things. Do you realize that's not the way it works at all? It can't be. Jesus Christ himself said that you can't serve two masters. Either God is Lord of all or not Lord at all in our life. We have to understand that. We need to come to realize that. We need to stop dividing our week and our times and our moments by the world time, our physical time, the things that we have for our physical self and the spiritual part and church and all those things that pertain to God. In reality, all the things that pertain to God pertains to every part of our life. It's not just something that happens on Sunday morning. The songs we sing, we talk about worshiping Him and praising Him. By the way, listen, you want to worship God and praise God, you do it with your life through the week. And when we come together as a body of believers and we lift up those songs, it is of true worship to the Lord. It is something that comes from a life of worship, a heart of worship. You can't compartmentalize that. It's all one and the same. You see, you have, to, you have to understand something. Either we're going to waste our life with things that are temporal, that are not going to last for an eternity, or we're going to invest in those things which are of eternal value that will last forever. We're either going to waste our life or invest our life. And the thing is, you can't do both. Once again, you can't serve two masters. You're either doing one or the other. And so which life are you going to live by in 2022? Another year of wasting your life? Or is this year going to be the, the, the time that you choose to invest your life in the things of God? That doesn't mean that everything you did last year was a waste of time. What I'm saying is what the challenge is, is obviously that we make this year dedicated to the Lord, that God is first in our life this year. We're setting an example for what we're going to do for the rest of our life. But if we're going to do that, we have to start with this question. And here it is. Who or what is the most important person or thing in my life at this present moment? I want you to stop and be honest with yourself. Who or what is the most important thing in your life or person in your life at this moment? Who is it? Don't answer out loud, but you, I want you to look down deep inside of your heart. Who's most important? 
What is it? Now for some, it's a who. It's their family. My family is most important. For some, it's a what. It's their job. My job is the most important thing. I mean, they will do anything. I mean, no matter what happens, they're going to be there at that job, at high or low. I mean, whatever. They are sold out for that job. But you know what God says? God says the most important who or what in your life must be Him. Must be Him. I love my family. And then we ought to love our family. You ought to love your husbands, ladies, men. You ought to love your wives. We ought to love our kids, mom and dad. But I'll tell you what, God needs to come first in your life. First. And here's the great thing. When God is first in your life, then, man, I'll tell you what, the love and the family, it falls right in place the way God intended for it to always be. It's a little picture of heaven right here on earth. The love within that family all falls in place, and, and we see God be able to work in that family the way He'd like to when we put God first, men. Ladies, put them first. Listen to what Jesus said once again in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6.33. He said this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek him first. That goes above your job. That goes above your family. That goes above everything. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you talking about the things that we need in life. Jesus says, without a doubt, I must be first, is what he's saying. I'll be first in your life. He even told us again that he must be first when he said this, talking about the greatest commandment, to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Number one, the number one love in our life is to be God, to love God. So here's the question. How do I go about making God first in my life? You say, I desire that, but what can I do? How can I make him first in my life? And I, I hope to, to be able to answer that by going back here to the Old Testament. We're looking at here at the Old Testament, a prophet of God, and seeing what God says and seeing through this prophet, what can we learn when God spoke through Jeremiah? Let's look at it once again. Notice it. Jeremiah 9, look at verse 23 once again. Thus saith the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. I am Jehovah, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So how do we make God first in our life? Let's just simply look at these verses. A very simple message. I think it's something that every one of us today we can be challenged by and learn from. And the first thing I want us to look at to make God first in our life, I must avoid the obstacles that get in the way. Simple, right? There's going to be obstacles in our life that get in the way of making God first in our life. There are all kinds of things that are trying to take that first place in our life. All kinds of obstacles. There's roadblocks, you might say, that prevent us from allowing God to be first in our life. Verse number 23, he says this. Look at it again. Notice he says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. 
Do you realize that in your day-to-day walk with Jesus, there are obstacles that get in the way that want to prevent you from getting as close to Jesus as he deserves to be in your life? They're there. And in our verse here that we just read, the Lord himself mentions three obstacles that we see here. The first one, you notice there, there's the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. A lot of people, they think they're so smart, and they think they have all the knowledge, and it comes between them and God. Even Christians sometimes, we allow the wisdom of this world to get between us and God. Instead of trusting in God, we're trusting in a paycheck. Instead of trusting in God, we're trusting in some man-made thing or our our own way of doing things. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. And then we see there the the second one, our strength to handle things on our own. Uh, That is called self-sufficiency. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Okay, one is the wisdom, it's the thinking. The other one is my own strength and my abilities and my own ability. You know, so often we give glory to our own self for the, the money that we have and the things that we have because of the work that we put into it. And yet God's the one that gave us all the strength to even get the, the things that we have. We've got to be so careful. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Huh. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. It's by God's power that we have victory in our life. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You can take a guess what the third obstacle is, right? Money, riches, self-sufficiency, desiring. I mean, why do you go work a job? Is it so you can get as much money as possible in this life? Okay, good. I'm glad Brian does it to survive. That's a good thing. But a lot of people, they don't just like to survive. They want to put more money and more money and more money inside their bank account. They want to get their 401k built up. They want to have then they want to get all kinds of riches. They want to buy land. They want to buy all the things they can possibly buy. They want to do all these things. Let me ask you, what good is it the day after you die? Now, that being said, nothing wrong with saving. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. It's about priorities. It's about prioritizing our life. Being wise and, and properly preparing for the future, there's nothing wrong with that. All the while, we're trusting God and, and listening to God and putting God first in our life. Nothing wrong with that. But there's so many people in the world today that they put God, they put religion, they put serving God, they put knowing God on a back burner because they are concerned about this most important thing in their life, and that is riches. And they're putting their faith and trust in that. It comes out in many different ways. It comes out in many different lives by choices that are made, by decisions, by priorities as far as time, talent, and treasure, what we're doing, what we're not doing, where we're going, where we're not going. On days, um, you know, there's, and I could give all kinds of illustrations, but I think you understand what I'm saying today. People make a choice, and they're more interested in riches, they're more interested in wisdom of this world, they're more interested in the power of their own might, their own strength. And that list is by no means only the only obstacles that, that can come between us and God and, and can keep us from allowing God to be first in our life. There's many different ones. We could go on for a long time, but off the top of my head, let me just name a couple of obstacles that I've witnessed. How about this one? How about bitterness? Letting bitterness get into our life because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. God, I'm not going to serve you faithfully. God, I'm angry at you. God, I'm upset with you. I'm not going to trust you. Look at what you did. You get bitter at God. How about spiritual neglect? 
not taking care of your spiritual business in the past for whatever reason, and you've drifted away from God, and it's hard to get back to making Him first in your life because you used to have Him first in your life. You used to read your Bible as you should. You used to pray as you should. You used to be in church every time the doors were open, but you've allowed spiritual neglect to get into your life, and now there's all these other things that are ahead of God. It's hard to get back there. Humanly speaking, I'm talking about, of course. You've drifted. You're not where you used to be. God's not in that first place that he used to be. So you see in this room, there are people with varying degrees of making God first in their life. There are some that are working hard at making God first in their life. There are some that have a few obstacles that have gotten in the way, and, and, and there's challenges, and there's things they've allowed to get between them and God. There's some that have a multitude of them. And when I say this, obviously I'm saying it from the position I'm not the judge God is, but let God speak to your heart today. Where are you at? Is God first? What are the obstacles? What's God between you and God? Was there a day and time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? When your heart was on fire for God and the things of God, is, I mean, it was just overwhelming you with the love of God and the, the knowing that, that God is working in your life and the thought of somebody being saved by you being that soul winner, by you working in that ministry. It used to be something that you are a part of, but there's something that's got between you and God. You used to love the time when you spent in prayer, but you don't have time for it now. Obstacles. Obstacles. There are all kinds of obstacles for bringing people away from God or not allowing God to be first in your life. And I say it's God's desire that each one of our lives, in every one of our lives, that those obstacles be removed today. I know it is God's desire. The question is, is it our desire? Do you want those obstacles to be removed? Or do you want another year the same as the last year? Do you want another day the same as the last day? Do you want to continue on the same path that you're going down and continuing to waste the time that God has given to you? I can tell you this. God wants to be first in your life, and it's not God's fault that He's not. It is our fault. It is our choice. God will do the work. God will give us the victory. You see, what we must do is allow him to speak to our heart and to do the work in our life and allow those obstacles to be removed from our life. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If you're not walking with God like he once did, if you're not seeing the power of God in your prayer life, if you're not seeing God in your life the way you once did as far as the, the things that you're doing and the focus that you have, it's not God's fault. It's a choice that you've made. You see, we all have a free will choice. I have my desire, my obstacles. We make decisions. We can choose whether we're going to put God first or not. Nobody can choose for you. You have to choose. I want to give you a biblical example of this. I mean, you think about the story of the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler who comes to Christ and you might say he was wanting to put Christ first in his life, but there was a problem he had. He was a rich, young ruler. He was rich. Now, by the way, riches aren't bad. You can look at men in the Bible that were great in the riches, as far as like Abraham. He had all kinds of wealth, but it wasn't a bad thing. 
You see, the problem is, is when you're controlled by your riches. Here's this rich young ruler. He comes to the Lord. He wants to make Jesus first in his life. And Jesus pointed out to him an obstacle that stood in the way. For him, it was his riches. Can you imagine going to Jesus Christ and saying, I want to follow you? And he's saying, hey, you've got this obstacle between you and me. You've got to get rid of it. And walking away and saying, no, never mind. Never mind. I've looked at that story and I've always shake my head and I go, how could he do that? He's standing right there with Jesus. And he's not willing to give up all and follow him. He's not willing to, I mean, to forsake all and follow him. How could he not do that? That's the old finger point. You know what I'm talking about? Three fingers pointing back at myself. What is it in your life? That's an obstacle between you and God that won't allow you to put him first in your life. God will speak to your heart in a message like this. God will speak to you. He'll he'll convict you in your heart. And we we look at God and say, yeah, I want that relationship. And then we look at what we have to give up. Give up. We say, no, 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 no. I'm not willing. That's exactly what the rich young ruler did. He was controlled by his riches. And Jesus knew this man's riches controlled him. And so he told him, He must remove the obstacle, but he wouldn't do it. What is the obstacle God's laying on your heart right now? Are there obstacles between you and God? How many are there? What will you do with it? How you respond? Do you want to remove those obstacles? You know, the truth is that most people won't. Most people won't. The question is, will you? So to make God first, I must avoid the obstacles that get in the way. Secondly, to make God first, I need to work on building a very personal relationship with him. As God says here in verse 24 of our text, Jeremiah 9, 24, we see here, he says, but let him that glorieth, glory in this, what? That he understandeth and knoweth me. How well do you know God? How well do you know Him? You see, we need to work on building a very personal relationship with Him, that we know Him. Let me ask the man a question here for just a moment. I want you to think about this with me. The day that you got married to your beautiful wife, did you think that you knew everything and understood everything about her that day you got married? Anybody? Ladies, I'm asking the same question. You think you knew everything about your husband and understood him the day you got married? Yeah. You're like, yeah, right, preacher. I'm afraid to say anything right now. I'm going to get into trouble. <laughs> huh. You know, the right answer, whether you are the husband or the wife, is that, listen, I hadn't even touched the surface of knowing and understanding my spouse on my wedding day. She was thinking, why am I getting married? I can't believe I'm doing this. Right, Charity? She's shaking her head. She told me on her wedding day, just the day was going on, she thought to herself, I hardly know this guy, and I'm marrying him? <laughs> There's a truth to that, though. Seriously. Brother Randy, don't laugh too hard. If your wife had known you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, though, think about this. We hardly knew each other when we got married. 
This Tuesday will be 30 years for us. Now, for you young folks, whoa, that's a lot. From the older folks, all are just young chickens. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. 30 years. I can tell you this. Listen, it's been a lifetime, 30 years of getting to know my wife, and she still surprises me. I think she's going to answer a certain way, and I got it all figured out. And if I just shut up and listen, I'd hear that really I didn't have it figured out. <laughs> She'll surprise me the way she answers something or the way she does. Now, I'm not talking about negative stuff here. I'm just talking about I'm still getting to know her. It's a lifelong thing. That's what it ought to be, by the way, in a relationship. Husband and wife, you ought to get to know each other and know each other and get closer and closer and closer. Many marriages today, that's not what's going on. They're getting further and further apart because they, they get to the place where I don't even know him. I don't even know her. How could I love somebody I don't even know? Hmm. Do you know God? Do you love God? Can you love somebody you don't know? God, I love you. Here's my love letter. Would you read it? I love you so much. Would you read my love? Would you read about how much I love you? Well, I'm, I'm busy, God. But God, I love you. Would you love what I love? You love me. Would you love what I love? Well, but, but I love these things. Those things hurt. Those things harm. Those things bring destruction and death. Why would you love the things that are so harmful? Why don't you love the things that I love? But, but God, I love you. Do we? See, it's a domino effect. It's like a circular thing that happens. The reason that we don't love God is because we don't know God, and the reason we don't know God is because we don't love God. It's a perpetual wheel that's going like this. It's like that rat race of life, and we wonder why things are the way they are. And maybe it's because you just don't know God the way you should know Him. And why don't we? It's not because God doesn't want to know us. It's not because God doesn't want to spend time with us. It's not because God doesn't want to hear us. I need to know him. You want to glory in something? Glory in that. I know God. It starts with knowing him as your personal savior. I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. I know I've been adopted into his family. I'm a child of the king. I'm joined heirs with the son. I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, praise God for all of that. Beulah land in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. That's where it starts. But that's not where it ends. It's a continual thing every day. After you became a child of God, getting to know him more and more and more and more. Getting into the word of God and reading it. You see, a successful marriage is a lifelong study. And having a right relationship and knowing God is a lifelong endeavor. You haven't arrived. None of us have. You can get to know God more and more and more and more. And a matter of fact, if you're not getting to know Him more, you're getting to know Him less and less and less. And you're growing cold and further away. Obstacles between you and God. And God's not first. 
That's the way you do. Get to know him more. How do you get to know him more? Get in the word of God. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved to be God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the word of God. Read the word of God. I use this illustration when I lead people to Christ many times. And after I've led them to Christ, I say, what does God want you to do? And I, I, I go to 1 John chapter 1, and I talk about the fact that they are to walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another and, and to fellowship with God. And I talk about the fact that they, that, uh, let me ask you, what do you think some things that God wants you to do now that you're saved? And I can tell you this, they almost always get the right answers. They'll say, I need to pray. If they've been in church at all, anything at all, any exposure, I need to pray. That's exactly right. That's how we talk to God. And I say, how does God talk to you? Oh, I need to read the Bible. Many times they say that. I say, exactly right. And I use the illustration. I say, the Bible is like a love letter. Can you imagine? I want you to think for just a moment. Think about, if it's a lady, I'll say, your husband. He served over in the Iraqi war, and he's over there, and he's there for years. And he's writing you a letter each and every day about how much he loves you. And he writes you a letter every day, every day, every day. And he finally gets home from war, and he comes into the house. He says, sweetheart, did you read the letters I sent you? And she says, well, I got them. No, I didn't ask if you got them. I said, did you read them? She says, well, here they are right here. And she goes above the refrigerator and pulls this box down. And all these letters inside the box, all written to her, not a one of them opened up. I want you to think about how God must feel when he gives us his love letter. He gives us the word of God that we can read each and every day. There's days that go by that we don't even open it. We don't even read it. And we wonder why we don't know God the way we should. We wonder why we don't have the faith that we should. We wonder why we don't have the peace that we should, the victory that we should have. Do you know God? I'm not saying, are you saved today? I, listen, that is definitely a question. Have you trusted in Christ your Savior? But I look across at every testimony that I know here today has trusted in Christ their Savior. Now listen, if you haven't, you need to trust in Christ. That's where it all starts. But I'm asking you today, if you've been born again, do you know God? How well? Are you studying the Bible? Thirdly, to make God first, I need to understand how he works in the world. How does he work in the world? Why do I need to do that? So that I can distinguish his works in the world from the devil's works. I need to see how God's working and join with him. I need to see how God's working and join with him. Look at verse number 24. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You see, not only does knowing and understanding God give substance to my relationship with him, but it also keeps me out of harm's way. It helps me to see how God is working. It helps me to see what God is doing in the world today. And it's so important because this world gives credit to God for things he didn't do and refuses to give credit to God for things he did do. Let me give you a couple of examples. A person, he goes on a shooting spree, they arrest him, and they ask him, why did you do this? Why did you shoot these people? Have you ever heard him say, because God told me to do it? That's a lie. That's not true at all. God would not tell you to do that. 
Somebody's sick, they've got cancer, they go to the doctor, the doctor says, hey, listen, we need to get you on this radiation, this chemotherapy, you've got, you've got cancer through your body, you need to go on this. And so they go through that, they go through the regimen of radiation and the chemotherapy, and at the end, they, they go and they do the test and the, the PET scan, they find there's no more cancer. And so the doctor says, boy, that radiation and, and that, 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 that chemotherapy did a great job, it healed you. You know what I say to that, don't you? Now that was God working there. God, I'll tell you what, he's the one that does the healing. He gives man the knowledge to do things that they do, but don't, hey, don't ever give credit to the doctor when God heals somebody. Now, you can say thank you to the doctor, but give God the glory. Amen. See, we need to be very careful. I want to give you a big caution flag. You can get really messed up if you don't know and understand him because you have been giving credit to God for things that he didn't do and not giving credit to God for things he did do. We need to be very careful that we don't allow that to happen. There are some times in life that we get angry at God because of the sin-sick world that we live in, and we allow that to get between us and God. We get angry because things didn't work out perfectly. Listen, we live in a sin-cursed world. Things are not going to be perfect in this world. Don't blame God for it. You have blessings in your life, you better praise God for it. You got food to eat, you better praise God for it. You've got that house you're living in, you better praise God for it. God is so good to us. God has blessed us beyond measure. So, avoid the obstacles that get in the way. A very simple message. Avoid the obstacles. Work on building a very personal relationship with him. Get to know him more. Understand how he works in this world. See God's hand at work. Be part of his work. Join in with his work. And I can say this in closing this morning. If God has been made first in my life, it ought to be noticeable in my life. What do people see? Most importantly, what God sees. I know that. Man looketh on the outward appearance. God sees the heart. Most important thing, what God sees. I understand that. But man still sees what you're doing. What do people see in your life? What do people see in your life? I heard a story of a lady an elderly lady that just recently she passed away. That lady, she was in church all the time. She taught Sunday school. She knew the Bible front and back. Many people said, that lady, she must be in heaven. One of the relatives that had been, knew the lady and had lived with the lady says, but you never lived with her. Wow. What's the point? You see, you can have all the outward appearance like everything is fine. You can be in church every time the doors are open. You can say the amen at the right time. You can know how to pray in public. You can do all the right things and dot the I's and cross the T's. But the reality hits when the rubber meets the road on that Monday, Tuesday, when the rest of the week and the rest of the time, when people have compartmentalized God. And I'm asking you today, who's first in your life? Do you desire God to be first? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.